As we start um, uh, the message this morning, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions uh, that I wanted you to think about um, just for a minute, uh, a few seconds or whatever. Uh, but the first one is, what are you living for? Honestly, though, okay? Because, um, you know, if I ask, we could pass a mic around and, and most of us will all say, Jesus, um, because that's what we're supposed to do, right? But honestly, what are you living for? As you think back, like, um, even if you evaluate this last week or uh, this last year or whatever, you, you can put a time frame on it if you want. Um, if you evaluate the things that you did, the things that you said, the things, that you, the places you went, all the stuff in your life, okay? Just evaluate the stuff in your life. Um, what did you live for? Or who did you live for? Um, if, if you think through that, sometimes it's really telling really telling that what am I really living for? What am I spending my days for? What am I doing? How am, what, what is it? What, what in my life, if I, if I just kind of nail it down, if I can look at it, if I can just examine it, really what am I living for? Who am I living for? Uh, sometimes we have to be honest and say we're living for ourselves. Who are we living to please? Is it me? When I just nail it down, am I, am I truly just living to please myself or or am I living to please other people? And my man, really, my goal, my heart is it—is it really just to please the people around me and just keep them happy and 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 just liking me? Um, or, or am I really in my heart and in the things that I do? Can I honestly just take a step back, look at my life, just pin my life down, and look at it and say, I'm living to please the Lord. I'm living to please God. I'm living for Him and I'm living for His glory. And we say that, honestly, we're going to look at a passage um, in Acts chapter 12. We're going to finish up Acts chapter 12 today. If you'll turn there, Acts chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 20 through 25. Acts 12, verses 20 through It says this, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. We're going to stop right there. We'll finish off later on. Good stuff, huh? It's a good start. Um, so here we have at the beginning, um, it talks about Herod and, and, and these, these cities of Tyre and Sidon. And Tyre and Sidon were these two cities that were coastal cities. And so they depended, like it says in the passage, they depended on the king for food, to provide food for their cities. And, and for some reason, we don't know from the passage, for some reason the king, Herod, is angry with these two cities, with the people of these cities. And so because of his anger, there's, there's a risk or a threat that they're not going to get food. Their food supply could be cut off. And so um, when you look in, in verse 20, it says, Now Herod was angry with the people, and so they came to him with one accord, which really is a good idea. Um, because what they're thinking is, man, if we, can, if we can come together and we can 
please the king somehow, if we can please Herod somehow, if we can just get him to not be angry with us or, or find favor in us somehow, then, then maybe our food supply won't be cut off. And, and really it's a good idea because one thing we know about Herod is he likes that. Uh, he likes to be um, pleased or he likes when people... Um, Let's look back, okay? But he likes when, when people are pleased or he likes glory, he likes honor, he likes all that stuff. If you look back in, in Acts 12, verse 3, do you remember what happened there? He killed James, one of the apostles. And, and in verse 3 it says, And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. See, Herod has this mentality of pride and self-exaltation. Um, and so for the people of Tyre and Sidon to come to him to attempt to please him uh, really is a good plan. <laughs> it's a good idea because that's what Herod thrives on. That's what Herod lives for. And, and, and really, he wants that attention. He wants to be um, that person who's being praised and, and receiving glory. And we see that even in this next part here where it says that they come um, and, and there's this guy named Blastus who's the king's chamberlain. And so um, somehow they persuade him to let them have this time before the king and, and uh, whatever they do for that, um, they, get this, they get an okay from the king's chamberlain. And so um, they get this opportunity to come before King Herod and somehow to make peace so that they can eat. And in verse 21 it says, On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. This is um, kind of more fruit of this mentality of Herod, okay? Here's this opportunity. And so here's this, 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 this group of people who's coming. They, they want to they wanna please Herod. They want to make him happy, whatever it is. And so Herod, on this appointed day, whenever it is, um, he's got this plan of, man, I'm going to make him really see that I am something special. And so puts on all the royal robes. Uh, it says he goes out and he takes his seat on the royal throne. And here he is in front of all the people. He starts delivering this speech. Imagine, that must look great, right? I mean, all these royal robes. He must look awesome. He must look great. And, and this speech, I'm sure, man, was just a, a great speech that he's put together to just show how great he is. And he's got the attention of all the people of Tyre and Sidon. And certainly, they're not going to say or do anything to, to displease him because they like to eat. And they like food, and so everybody needs that. And so they're going to do whatever to please Herod, and they're not going to do anything to displease Herod. And so he has this captive audience, puts himself in front of him just to show how good and how great he thinks that he really is. And so um, verse 21, on appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne. He delivers an oration to them, and the people that are listening are shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. The voice of a God and not of a man. Now, can you imagine that? I could t- I, that's never happened to me. I, as many sermons, as many talks, as many, never has that happened. And, and, you know, the sincerity of the people, we know why they're there. They want to please Herod, okay? So the sincerity of the people, let's be honest, probably... <laughs> You know, they're probably talking to each other, eh, the voice of a God and not of a man. And like, they don't care. But whether the sincerity is there or not, here's this declaration by this mass of people, the voice of a God and not of a man, the voice of a God and not of a man. And, and Herod forgets something in the midst of that. He's not God. 
I mean, this is like the pinnacle of, of pride and self-exaltation for Herod. I mean, um, he, for, for the attention of the people and, and for them to love him and like him, he'll do just about anything. I mean, he killed James, he imprisoned Peter and planned to kill him and whatever it takes. But this is kind of the pinnacle here. I mean, for self-exaltation, he has put himself in a place where he's accepting this word of saying, you're like a god. You're not, you're not like a man. You're like a God to us. And he accepts it. He embraces it. He doesn't deny it. He has every opportunity, right? Here he is making this speech. He can say, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I am just a man. I'm a, I'm a great man. I'm a king, but I'm not God. And, and he could have interrupted. He could have done that. And, but he didn't. And he let it go on and on. And here's this pinnacle of self-exaltation and pride and arrogance in in this king herod and so in the midst of all this um it says in verse 23 immediately an angel of the lord struck him down here here in the midst of this speech here in the midst of of this great um demonstration of what he is like and who he is and who he thinks he is and and this great speech that he's presenting to the people in the midst of that and in the midst of their response um, whether their response was sincere or not, he accepted it. And it says an angel of the Lord immediately struck Herod down. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that would be like for the people? Can you imagine what that would be like for the king's court? Um, that's a message right there from God. That's a message from the Lord. And and, and it's a message that that, man, God is not going to compete with anyone whether it's herod whether it's a king whether it's a a regular person whatever it is um he's not going to compete and so right in the middle of this extravagant demonstration of of who he thinks he is um herod crosses the line and, and he crosses the line of god's patience and god's patience ends with him right there and he kills him and the whole verse says this it says immediately an angel of the lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. The end. Like, there, there you go. There's your end right there. There you go. King Herod, the great. Like, not a pretty picture, right, in Scripture, but not a pretty picture about Herod, beautiful picture about God. He's unchanging and he doesn't have to and will not compete with anyone or anything for glory. He is the most glorious being there possibly can be. And when Herod is standing up there in the midst of all these people as a king and they're shouting the voice of a God and not of a man and and he likes it and he accepts it and he he embraces it even in his heart and he doesn't reject it, he doesn't deny it and say, no, 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 God is the most glorious. God is the one who deserves glory. God is the one who deserves praise. God is the one that you should be shouting those words to. God kills him to demonstrate that he is God and that he is glorious, that he is great that he is to be treasured. It's hard, right? It's hard to imagine that. It's hard to think that. I mean, how many of us in our life have, have, have taken glory that should have been given to God and embraced it ourselves? 
Uh, maybe we've done something. Maybe it's in church. Maybe we've done something that's the, and it's got the title of ministry over top of it. And someone comes up to you and says, man, that was great. That was the best thing ever in church that I've been a part of. It was the best event. It was the best this ministry. It was the best this. And in our hearts, we're like, I agree. I did an awesome job with that. That was really good. Thank you so much. And we embrace it. And, 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 or wherever we're at. And, 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 and praise or, or adoration or glory will be, be sent to us when it should be sent to God. And we embrace it. Well, here's Herod, who's, who's literally, the people are saying, he's, he's like a God and not like a man. And he embraces it. And God says, that's it. That's the end. That's where my patience stops. And, and immediately an angel of the Lord kills him. And, and it says that um, because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Now, that, that phrase there, eaten by worms and breathed his last, can have a different meaning. Um, there's a possibility that the meaning could be that there was a... Um, some kind of a, a, a cyst or something in his stomach um, that the the worm eaten by worms refers to. Um, there's indications in, in in the language and in other parts of the Bible that it can mean that this cyst burst and and so that he would have had this painful and and embarrassing horrible death, which is much better than being eaten by worms and breathing your last. Um, but whatever the meaning is, God says that's enough. And that's it. That's the end. And, 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 and the end of Herod and, and his life is over. And, and there's the end of the chapter for him. Robes, this throne, great speech. He's eaten by worms and breathes his last. And that's it. Why? Because he didn't give glory to God. He kept it for himself and pridefully instead of humbly he didn't give glory to God. The point is to, to, to make it clear to everyone, not just to Herod, but to everyone there and to us that God is glorious. And God is to be glorified and man is not to be glorified. It's God. And, and he's the one that's deserving of all glory. And, and uh, if you remember in, in uh, the book of Luke where Jesus is talking in Luke 14, verse 11, he says, For everyone, this is Jesus talking, says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you hear that? That's Jesus, okay? That's a promise that's really fulfilled right here in the life of Herod, okay? That's Jesus saying, anyone that exalts themselves, any prideful person that goes through life, living life for themselves, living for their own glory, living for them, living for me, whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Man, if what I get from that is if I'm living anywhere close, anywhere close to Herod, if my life is about me, if my life is seeking attention from men rather than from God, if my life is is meant to give glory to me rather than to God, then it has to change. If my life is is a prideful, self-exalting life, I have one decision I have to make. Turn around. Like, it has to change because Christ's promise, and it's fulfilled in this passage, is whoever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And that's, that's from the words of the Son of God. That's the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's a promise. He goes, um, Scripture goes on in, in 1 Peter 5, 5, and it says this, God opposes the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. And we talked about that uh, a while back when we were going through 1 Peter. But I want you to think about that, okay? If you're a prideful person, all right? If that's your struggle, if, if, if your struggle is I'm just, I'm a prideful person and I live for me. I want for me and it's about me. If you're that person, man, listen to this verse, okay? Because what it says is God opposes the proud. He's against the proud, uh, as I was thinking through that, and, and the best picture I could think is, is me dressed like this, lining up against the defense of the Buckeyes, okay? And really, honestly, now that's a small picture compared to God, but imagine lining up, no pads on, no helmet, no protection whatsoever, and lining up just you against the entire defense of the Buckeyes or whatever your favorite team is. You can fill in the blank, okay? If it offends when I say the Buckeyes, you can add something else, okay? But whatever it is, we don't stand a chance, right? We don't stand a chance against that. To think that, that we could go against these 11 guys that weigh seven, eight times more than me, I don't know. But... To think that I'm going to stand a chance against going, I'm, I'm going to get broken. That's what's going to happen, right? I'm going to come back broken. Who knows how many places, who knows how many times, but I'm broken if I'm trying to do that. Well, that's, what it, that's the picture that I get when I think about if, if I'm prideful, God opposes that. And really, it's, it's, it's not just me going against God. It's God now going against me. Because he's going to humble those who exalt themselves. And he opposes, he's against the proud. And you see that picture with Herod. Man, with Herod, where, where, his, where his self-exaltation came to such a point where it wasn't just things got difficult for Herod. He was eaten by worms and breathed his last. That's pretty bad. That's what pride does. That's what arrogance does. That's what self-exaltation does. And, and the warning's not just for Herod. It's not just for the people that were there. It's for us. Because pride is the enemy of God. It's the enemy of God. When, when it says that God opposes the proud, that's that picture. Pride and God are enemies. They just, it doesn't work that way. And if we're, if, if we're going through life and we're prideful, we're pri- we've got to turn around because pride is the enemy of God. And, and, and a couple of things that, that I wrote down here that I wanted to read for you is pride keeps us from submitting to Jesus. It does. Pride keeps us from submitting to Jesus because pride says, I believe, but I won't do that. Or pride says, I believe, but I, I don't want or I don't need to obey that verse or that command or this or this. Or pride says, I believe, but I won't give up that part of my life. I'll go this far to be a Christian, but I won't give up that. I won't give up everything. I won't do this. Or it, as long as it's still good for me, as long as it still makes me happy, as long as it still pleases me, then I'll do that. But pride says, I'll only go this far. God's not good enough for me to surrender and submit everything to him. I'll only go this far. That's what pride says. Pride says mine, while humility says his. Pride says someone else will do it. Humility says I'll do it. I will. Pride keeps us from sharing the gospel. Pride keeps us from sharing the gospel. Listen to that, okay? Pride. The thing that God opposes, the thing that God hates, the thing that, that God is absolutely, the enemy of God, that 
is what keeps me and keeps you from sharing the gospel. It's the thing that keeps us from telling others about how great he is and how how much we treasure him and how much we value him and and how our life is consumed by him and how we're living for him and not for ourselves. It's pride. It's pride that keeps us from doing that. God opposed Herod because he did not give glory to God. He kept it for himself. And so it says he's eaten by worms and breathes his last. As you think through that whole pride keeps us from sharing the gospel. I love this next part. Okay, That's why we stopped at verse 23. Because I love, I love this whole passage. Um, because I want you to read, I, 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 read along with me. I want to read um, verse 23 going into verse 24. It says, Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down. Because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. I love that. I don't know about you. I love that. I, I just, I love, here's Herod and, and, and prideful and, and self-exalting and, and seeking his own and, and all these things. And God says, my patience is out. You're done. And he kills him. And it says he's eaten by worms and he breathes his last. But God's word continue. God's word still advanced. God's word continued to go forward and and people still believed in christ this you know this great awful thing happens to herod people still believe in christ still people are still hearing the gospel it's still going to places that it's never been before people are believing it embracing it seeing how great god is giving him glory the word of god advanced the word of god increased and multiplied even man i hope that when you read that You rejoice inside. I rejoice inside because I realize as I read that what I'm a part of. What God has graciously allowed you and me to be a part of. A kingdom that will never, ever end. There's there's some verses um, in 1 Peter chapter 1. Go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Way back towards the back of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 24 and 25. It's talking about the word of God. Verse 24 says, For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The word of the Lord remains forever. In other words, God's word spoken to us written down so that we have it, we can read it, we can learn about him from it, we can find out what he's like, that he's loving, that he's kind, that he's gracious, that he he loved us so much that in the midst of our sin and our depravity and our separation from him, he sent his son and killed his son on a cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins. We don't know that except from the word of God. We have it written down. We know what he's like and that he's, that he's all-powerful and that he spoke and the heavens were created and earth was created and all things on the earth were created by the voice of God that will never, ever fail. We know that because he spoke it and wrote it down and we have it. And it will remain forever, it says. It will never fail. Here we are, 2008. 2,000 years after Christ 
2,000, almost 2,000 years after what we're seeing in the book of Acts. And we still have God's word. Herod died. Right? But his word has multiplied and gone forward and advanced so that 2,000 years later, we're teaching it, we're studying it, we're hearing from God through his word, and we're finding out more about him through his word, and we're seeing what he's like up in heaven, separated from us through this chasm, but close to us through his son, Jesus Christ. We're finding out about him through his word. And it's never failed and it never will fail. And, and I hope that as you read that, you know, Herod died and he was buried or he was eaten by worms. We don't know if anything was left. We don't know. OK, whatever happened, he's gone. He's out of the picture. But God's word continues. It advances. It multiplies. It goes forward. Man, are we a part of that? Are we genuinely, truly a part of this kingdom, of this word that will never, ever, ever fail? God opposes the proud, but his word will continue forever and ever and ever. Sometimes, you know, we talked earlier about how how pride gets in the way of us sharing the gospel, of us being part of the kingdom advancing through the word of God, of us being a part of God's word never failing and moving forward. Sometimes pride gets in the way of that right and and we don't share the gospel or we don't even talk about it sometimes we don't even read it sometimes we don't even treasure it sometimes we don't get into it right and pride will get in the way of that and sometimes that will happen sometimes pride will get in the way and we're not sharing the gospel or whatever right that's no loss to god that doesn't hurt god and it doesn't hurt his word that's what we learned from this passage with herod It doesn't affect God negatively. It affects me negatively. It affects you negatively. I'm the one that's hurt when I'm not advanced and and being a part of advancing the kingdom. When when my pride gets in the way and, and, and myself gets in the way of what God desires for me, I'm the one that's hurt for that. I'm the one that, 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 that is affected by that negatively. God's not because what I know from verse 24 is, the word of God will increase and multiply. What I know from 1 Peter 1 is the word of God will never fail. It's going to go on and God's going to use someone else to advance his kingdom. And, and, and if I'm so prideful and so ashamed of, of who he is and, and of his word and of what it says, and, and if I'm ashamed of that and I'm ashamed to, to talk about it and to stand on it and say, yes, the Bible does say no to this and yes to this and God is this and he's not this. If I'm ashamed of doing that, it's not hurting God. It's hurting me. Because there are people around me who will pick up the word and say, this is truth. And God's going to advance his kingdom through those people. But my heart and my desire is that I look at it and I say, God's word never fails. God's word never, ever fails. And I want to be a part of it advancing. I want to be a part of it going forward. I want to be a part of the verse that says the word of God increased and the word of God multiplied what a wonderful thing to be a part of right what a great thing to be a part of god's word that never fails to be a part of something that can't lose to be a part of something to embrace something to stand on something as our foundation that cannot ever fail that's what god's word says that's what jesus said that will never 
ever fail. Rather than standing on those things that continue to fail, to stand on God's word and live for God's word and to advance the kingdom through God's word that never, ever fails. What, a, what an amazing thing to know that I'm a part of that, that we have an unfailing, never-ending word of God that lasts forever, that I can be a part of that. How many of you have seen um, the movie Prince Caspian so far? Anybody seen it? Some of you have seen it? You should see it. I'm not going to spoil it right now, but I am going to tell you one part about it, okay? My favorite, one of my favorite parts of the movie is towards the end. Um, you see this coming the whole way, so I'm not ruining anything, all right? Um, you have to go see the movie, though. You, you know little Lucy? Everyone's seen the first one, right? Everyone knows who Lucy is, the youngest daughter. Okay, good. Um, Lucy goes and, and finds Aslan, okay? And there's this scene at the, towards the end of the movie the movie's not based on this, okay? I know you're afraid. Spend the money. Go see the movie. It's wonderful, all right? I'm not ruining anything. But here's Lucy, and this army is kind of retreating away from um, Peter and, and Edward and, and, and all the others, okay? And Prince Caspian and all the others. So here's this army that's retreating, and they have to go across this bridge, right? And all of a sudden, on the other side of the bridge, Lucy, this little girl, comes forward, okay? You guys saw this part? You remember this part? Lucy's standing on the other side of this bridge, and here's this army with all their weapons and their horses and everything wanting to go across, and here's Lucy by herself on the other side of the bridge, just standing there in the way. And she pulls out this little tiny dagger and just stands in front of them. I love it, okay? I love it because what they don't know is she has Aslan. She's already connected with him. She's already talked to him. She knows he's right behind her, hiding in the woods, ready to jump out, and that he can't lose why would she do that? Like, why would a little girl stand against this whole army? You would never do that unless you had something with you that could not be defeated. And that's what her mindset is in that spot. I love it. It's my favorite part. It's like the part I want to stand up and cheer in the movie. Because here's this little girl who knows she has something that cannot be defeated on her side. And how, how often we forget that because of our pride. Because of our pride and our arrogance and how we want people to like us. We want people to like who we are. We want people to like what we say. We want people to like what we do. We, want, we don't want people to be offended by us. And so because of our pride, we forget that we have the thing that cannot be defeated with us. We have God's word that will never, ever fail. Some people may not accept it. Some people may not like it. Some people may not treasure it. Some people may not listen to it and say, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Some people may not do that. But I know from God's word and I know from the past 2,000 years that it will never, ever fail. It's faithful. And just like little Lucy, as I go into the world, it's time that I put my pride aside and I rejoice in the fact that I have the word of God, the holy God, who cannot be defeated, who cannot be stopped, who cannot be thwarted, whose ways cannot be turned to another direction. His ways will go the way that his ways were intended to go. It's not going to change. And, and, and so I have God's word, and as I go forward, I, I can put my pride aside and embrace who he is and embrace what he's called me to do. And just like little Lucy, I may look way way outmanned, way outgunned, way defeated, whatever. But I have God's word and I can stand there and I can pull out God's word and I can say, this is truth. 
and I want to tell you truth. And you may not like me because of it. You may not think the best of me. You may be offended by me. I just want you to know the truth. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of Christ. He, he gave his whole life for me. He died. He was beaten. He was forsaken by God on the cross. God turned his back on him because of our sin that was put on him. He went through all of that so that I could have forgiveness. I'm not going to be ashamed of him. I'm not going to be so prideful to think that I'm more important than he is. And so I'm going to go forward and I'm going to celebrate the fact that I have God's word that won't be defeated. I might be defeated. I might be embarrassed. I might be ridiculed. I might be whatever. But God's word won't be. It'll never fail. And if I have that, I can go forward and I can, without pride and in humility, go forward with God's word and, and be a part of, be a part of, verse 24, the word of God increased and multiplied. John Piper says this, he says, you can't believe in Jesus and be devoted to glory seeking among men. Faith is God exalting, glory seeking is self-exalting. That was the problem with Herod. Self-exaltation. That's the problem with some of the Pharisees. And, and, and real quick, before we finish, in John 12. Tell me if this sounds like some of us sometimes. It's not a good, this is not a good indictment about the Pharisees here, okay? In John 12, verses uh, 42 and 43. It says, nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. How often has that been us? How often has that been you? How often has that been me? We love the glory that comes from men more than the glory that comes from God. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if we would just humble ourselves before God? It's not, it's not you just deciding right now and saying, I'm going to be better at this. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be really good at this from now on, and I'm going to go out. It's not that. It's, that's pride. That's being prideful again. That's, say, that's saying, I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going to be the best. It's not that. It's just humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, I can't do this. Except your spirit is in me, except that I just submit to you and humble myself before you. If I don't humble myself before you, then over and over and over again, my pride is going to, right before I go, my pride is going to say, you can't do that. You can't offend people. You don't want people to think of you that way. You don't want this or this or this because we're seeking glory that comes from men rather than glory that comes from God. But today, wouldn't it be great if we would just humble ourselves before God, humble ourselves before him and say, God, your word will never fail. You've proven that. Even when I've rejected you, even when I've failed you, even when I've been embarrassed about you, even when I've been ashamed about you, your word has advanced. Your kingdom has advanced. You have gone forward. You have done this. Your word has done this. Even when I have not, 
your word has gone forward. Wouldn't it be great just to humble ourselves and come before God and say, God, I want to be a part of what will never fail. I continue to fail. I continue to mess up. I want to be a part of what won't mess up, what won't fail. And I'm just going to go forward humbly with you, knowing that I have this in my heart and with me that will never fail. And I'm going to speak. I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell. And I'm going to pray like the disciples, like the early believers. When, when persecution came and they said, God, our prayer is this. Just grant that you would give us boldness so that we can keep talking about what won't fail. Your word. Wouldn't it be great if we just left with that as our mentality, as that as our heart, if that was our song as we left, God, I'm just humbling myself before you. I'm submitting to you. This is what you've called me to. This is what I'll do. Your word will never fail. And so I'm going to go forward with your word and I'm going to talk about it because it's your word and I'm going to rejoice about it because it's your word. I'm going to treasure it because it's your word. That we would go forward and not be ashamed and we wouldn't see glory for ourselves like Herod. We saw the end of Herod. We wouldn't see glory for ourselves, but we would see glory from and for God who will never, ever, ever fail. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your greatness and your love for us, God. And thank you for your word, Lord, that you teach us, that you revealed yourself to us through it. You love us so much that you've taught us truth about you through your word. Some truth that's, that's hard for us to swallow. Some truth that's, that's hard for us to embrace. And that's where we have to humble ourselves before you, submit to you. And God, I pray for every single person here. Just as Paul prayed in Ephesians, that, that we would know the power of Christ that is in us and that is working for us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is working for us, Lord. I pray that for each person here, just as Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, that we would know that, God, and that we would believe that and we would stop depending on ourselves and and our own strength and and doing things for ourselves and living for ourselves and, and trying to please ourselves, God, that we would that we would do all things, as your word says, that we would do all things, whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, that we would do it for the glory of God. God, we are not better than Herod. And if we allow our pride to go on, if we allow our our own self-exaltation to go on, we're going to find ourselves in the same spot. One day, we're going to find ourselves in the same spot. pray that you would allow us to be humble now and to see you as you really are the god who reigns over everything and would you allow us to go forward humbly leave this place humbly knowing that we have you jesus and the same power that raised you from the dead working through your word that will never ever fail And would you allow us to be a part of this kingdom and this word that continues to advance and multiplies. Multiply it through us, God. Help us to experience the joy that will come through that. Praise you and thank you for your word. And we know and we declare that it has never failed us. And it never will fail. And we love you, Jesus. 
And we pray in your name. Amen.